Hi, everyone. Before we get started on today's episode, we'd just like to hear a quick word from our sponsor. Hair by Escandalo and The Other Side are sister businesses that work together to provide everything from awesome haircuts and colors to waxing services, facials, makeup, lash extensions, and nails. The salon offers a wide array of talented specialty stylists and offers virtual consultations before your color appointments to ensure you get what you're expecting. The Other Side is a boutique spa and clothing store featuring jewelry from different artists all over the country and curated upcycled fashion. None of their services or clothing are gendered, so everyone can feel safe and included from start to finish. Want an appointment? Visit their website, escandalohair.com, or on Instagram at escandalohair for the online booking link. 10% off your services if you mention But What Do We Know podcasts. Thank you so much to Escandalo, and let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to But What Do We Know podcast episode 140. I'm Marissa and I'm here tonight with our special guest co-host Mary. Hey guys. Um, Mary, yes. tell, tell us about yourself. About myself? Yes, please. Um, well, I'm a woman, obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I am just a free-spirited person who met Marissa through theater, Yay. which I miss so much. I, do too. I just, I just want to do it. It's just like you know. I know I miss um, it. But the second that I found out that she had a podcast and it was all about supernatural and true crime, I was like, ooh, hello, <laughs> hello. Um, and I, I love anything supernatural. From listening to Marissa and Anna, I started to really kind of get into some true crime which my husband might not really like because you know no. sometimes he's just like you put on dateline as you fall asleep but that's soothing it is soothing i mean i still have to wake up to find out who the killer is exactly but it's usually who you always think at first it's almost always almost the always. husband always but yeah no um i am married i've been married since january of this <gasps> year <laughs> and yeah just living life so your last name is Santiago. Santiago, yes. How? What kind of? My microphone is like on. Has a mind of its own. Right I now. see that. I see that. Maybe if I just sit like this, it'll be okay. <laughs> I think it'll be fine. Okay. So what's what's after wedded life like? Honestly, it's just the same. I just yeah. have a different last name, and once I changed my last name, it was very hard to like be like, oh no no, that you have a new last name. Yeah. And, like, when I went to work, everyone was like, hey, Mrs. Santiago. And I'm, like, looking around for my mother-in-law and then realizing, oh, no, that's me. That's me. (laughs) Yeah, but my husband and I's relationship has, like, we've been together for nine years, actually, this week. Um, Thursday will be nine years that we've been together. So it's really no different. It's just now I just 
I'm officially his wife. I felt like I've been his wife for the past, I don't know, like five or six years anyway. Exactly. So. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a huge difference. No, but. no. And, you know, we're trying to do that whole married couple thing. We want to try to have a baby, you know. <gasps> so yeah. A baby. A baby. <laughs> and he's like, and he's like a baby? Did somebody say baby? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, just the normal kind of things. I mean, I don't really think that anything really just changed except for my last name yeah that's cool yeah like our bond is like still the same it's still yeah yeah that's awesome Mm -hmm. um so i had my bridal shower and bachelorette party this weekend that's a lot to unpack in one weekend let me tell you at 30 it's a lot okay yeah (laughs) it's a lot um how old are you i'm 35 are you really? I am. I know I don't look it, but I am. You look like you're, I would say, I was like, she's like probably 26. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm oh. like, not that you're not mature. I find you to be very mature, oh. but I'm like, you got a baby face. Yeah. I mean, my whole family, nobody looks their age. Like my dad's yeah. going to be 70 and I, he looks like he's probably in his 50s. What's the secret? Um, I think it's just olive oil. Like. You know, or just being Italian. I don't know. Maybe we found the... Maybe that's it. I don't know, because my grandmother never looked her age. My aunt's... Like, she's 72. She does not look her age. Did you know that I'm Italian? I did. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I knew that. <laughs> I, I didn't until, I like, found out that ago. I'm actually Ukrainian. <gasps> You're like Anna. Yeah. I didn't... We didn't know at the time. Um, but we found out, because my... My dad's father, we were always told that they came from Austria. And that's like my Jewish side in the family. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like the thing that, you know, we're Jewish, but we don't practice the religion. Right. It's kind of like still in our culture. It's our heritage. Um, so we actually found out that we're Ukrainian Jews. So once we found that out of everything happening in Ukraine, kind of like and got yeah, to me a little bit a more. A little more emotional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my dad's trying to be like, well, it still was Austria. But, but it's Ukraine. Yeah, it's still Ukraine. So, <laughs> so um, that was some interesting um, family history to find out in like the past couple months. It's so. pretty cool to learn that stuff. I think. Yeah, I like it because there's so much stuff that like I don't know about like that like because my like my maiden name is Greenfeather. There's yeah. so much I don't know about the Greenfeather side of the family. Like right. I have tons of cousins. Me too. And I know like I know some of them. But they were all older than my dad, so they yeah. all had kids, and they had kids, and now they're having kids. Like, and they found me on Facebook. Yes, right. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know who these people are. They're like all over the place. Yeah, and they're all like in Texas. Yep. Like all like they're they're hardly even on the East Coast. So it was kind of interesting to see. Like, I guess one of my cousins just got married. Aww. So it was neat to kind of like I don't know them, but it's nice to kind of follow their lives and it's cool to see like they're your relatives that you didn't know about like that's so that's kind of how my dad's side of the family was like the miller side because the miller side of my family is like you know it's hard to find anybody Mm -hmm. because the miller's like the name Mm -hmm. of everybody yeah and um yeah i have a bunch of cousins that i don't know right it's it's very weird but it's cool i like to follow them sometimes we send each other christmas cards that's so sweet i would i wish i was that type of person that had the patience to do that it took me forever just to write out my thank you cards from my shower it took me forever just to get the dang invitations out okay like that was all my husband the invitations i I was not mm, 
nope. <laughs> it's it's not easy. No, and we couldn't decide on the design that we wanted. Mm. Like it was it was so much. We ended up just making our own design. That's how we were, and we we're just like. This is it. And yep. then we got it printed and then got them sent out. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they went out after my shower, and I had my shower in October, and I got married in January. I mean, I think that's fine. So. I'm getting married in August. It's, like, June. Well, almost July. And I'm like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. We got our invitation. I was I very know. excited. It's so cute. And I was like, and I sent my thing back, and I was like, I should have just gave it to her, but that's okay. Oh, it's okay. That's, the, I the love the mail thing. The stamp is on thing. it. So I was like, I'm not going to waste a stamp on her. Well, that's it thing i was like i like getting mail so everyone's like you could have just done this online i'm like no but i like mail see we did it online and it was the best thing that we could have done really yeah because everything was like online and then we were able to do our seating chart from there um we were able to just and have all the table it was so easy that's cool it was easy and we're trying to build our online gallery of our wedding photos um but I'm, I'm still, my husband's mad at me because I still haven't gone through them as he has them because there's so many. Yeah. And there's so many terrible pictures of me with my hair sticking straight up as I'm getting ready. I'm like, what was this photographer like, doing? Like, why did we do this? Like, why did, I didn't have no makeup on. Yeah. Like, and I suffer from rosacea and I was like very suffering right before my wedding so my face is like bright red I look like a tomato and my hair is sticking up like a rooster and they're like smile and then she's like taking them and I'm just like I paid for this like, like calm down like, uh... um, but no I, 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 and I love my photos I was showing um, my photos to my uncle and it's a picture of my dad and I and my grandmother has been gone, I think, for, it's got to be, like, almost six years oh, now. Oh, wow. Um, and he said to me, oh, man's right there. I'm like, what? what? And I'm like, I'm like, okay, like, yeah, you're crazy kind of thing, you know. Yeah. So then later on, because I was in Florida, like, a month ago, later on I went back to my parents' house and was sitting there. I saw her face, and, like, it's she's kind of, like, on the wall. What? Here, I saw her face, and I just started crying. Do you have the picture? I do. I don't (gasps) know if you could see it. I mean, I don't know what she looks like, but I think I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. Like, you can see her. It's Marissa. I was, like, crying. I would And, like, I know, like, people don't, like, believe in that stuff, you know, but it's one of those things that it seeing it and i was just i was bawling oh, I would yeah that's crazy it was it that is crazy i was like once i but i felt like she was there like i wore totally. her ring and the weirdest thing is that the ring ended up breaking at the end of the night so what? i just wonder if it was just because i don't know if she was attached to it in some way and it was like <laughs> it was oh like i don't she's know she's like this is all you know like, yeah like i was just like oh okay because i wore the same oh. ring to my shower so, yeah, I always had to bring a piece of her with me. Yeah. So, you know, but That's I was just cool. one of those things. I'm just like, I saw it and like, I didn't just, believe him. I was like, oh, you know, like, okay. <laughs> yeah. You got to send me the picture. I will. I love that. I, I love seeing stuff like that. It's so cool. Yeah. Did you, did you cry? So tell me why, 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 why do you cry? Tell me why, why, why do you cry? Tell me why. 
so much this <laughs> week. I don't want to really like get into the politics behind it. Roe v. Duh. Wade. Yeah. Okay. So found out. I will. I will say I am very pro-choice. Oh, we I, are. Yeah. choice people. I think that women should be able to decide whatever they want to do with their For body. Sure. And the thing that it is, I understand that some people use abortion as birth control. Mm-hmm. I might not agree with that. Right. Like, you know what I mean? That shouldn't really be a form of birth control, but it's your choice. Exactly. It's if your that's choice. what you want to do, then... And- but the fact of what's happening is, is from the medical side of it, I feel terrible for these doctors, for these nurses, and for these patients. Right. Because it's from the medical standpoint, if someone has like an atopic pregnancy, you're telling me that you're I not going to be able to abort the baby. She's going to die. Being sued. And yeah. the woman can die. Mm-hmm. But this is the thing. They don't think about this. They things. haven't thought about anything. It's No. And I think one thing that... You know, I think for me, when you said that, I was like, oh, my God, wait, why? And then I'm like, well, oh, yeah, duh, because, like, our, we, our downfall of being a woman it has been all week. And it's just been something mm-hmm. that we've been talking about, just like everyone in my life, well, yeah. just so much recently that it's like, I don't even. But, yeah, I um, have been reading a lot of people's, like, personal posts about abortion mm-hmm. and stuff. And they're, they also have made me cry. Like, just to know... A lot of like my maybe not my closest friends but mm-hmm. some friends that i know who have experienced such terrible things or know people who yeah. have yeah and it's just for, for anybody who doesn't know um roe versus roe v wade was overturned on i know it, it was friday mm-hmm. why do why does it feel like it was so long ago in a way I mean, because it, we went back 50 years or a yeah. weekend. So. <laughs> like, well, we time traveled. So. <laughs> we time traveled to like the 50s. I mean, hey, I like the 50s. It was fun. Me too, but, but not the. I like the style, not the life. Not the morals. <laughs> not the or morals. The lifestyle. No. My, my politics are not, I'm not super well versed in politics. So I never feel like quite qualified to talk about it. But bad bad shit's gonna happen like oh i know but the thing that upsets me like the most and then um i don't understand like and i i personally am like i am a democrat like i I will tell you that i don't like joe biden i don't think he has done anything great for this country Uh, quite honestly i voted because of kamala harris i thought this guy would be gone i thought he would be croaked (laughs) like see you later because they gave us such false promises they that they were going to take care of this. And now you have AOC, who I can't stand her either. And I know that she's out there fighting, but she's just, she's too much. Too much. Like, the thing is, is that you could have solved this. So, like, it almost makes me sound like I'm anti-government, which I'm not. But I don't feel like they have helped us and did anything for us. And it's this is coming from a person that just like I like know politics, yeah. I, but I'm not like this is my world. Right. Like let me dive into it. Like I educate myself. Like I from like watch not even like watching like news channels. You have to read. Nobody reads. They just listen to they're what the TV tells them. Fed information. Yeah, they're just and you're getting fed sometimes false information. Oh, absolutely. And like and that's not even talking about Fox News. Mm-hmm. We're talking about like oh, all CNN. the other yeah all the other ones. Yeah. So uh, you as an American have no idea what to believe in. And then these people were suffering. Mm-hmm. And these people are getting rich. 
Oh, absolutely. And it's so, how is that supposed to help us? Yeah. And the one thing that I, I watch, and I watch, I'm obsessed with TikTok. Same. And I shouldn't be, like, I need to get off of oh, it. Oh, don't There's we all, There's some but... nights I'm on TikTok for two hours watching absolutely nothing. Yeah. And then I think I could do my makeup like all those oh. girls. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I can contour. I'm I like, do it. Why do I look like Donald Trump? Like, yeah. why am I orange? Like, what color, what, is what, what color is this? So, no, maybe I shouldn't do that. Um, but there was this man, and he's from Texas. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's he's probably going viral now because I've seen it a couple times. I just sat there and I just listened to him and yeah. I cried. Like, I mean, I've been crying, but he made me cry so hard because hearing it from a man's perspective and listening to what he said and how he's like going, he's like, we need to stand like yeah. with women. Right. Like it was just, and it's a white man. Let yeah. me, it's a white man from Texas. And that's huge. And a Republican white man from <laughs> Texas. That's like almost unheard like, of. That's unheard of. And he was just like, I mean, I was bawling. Yeah. I was just bawling. I couldn't watch anymore because every time I would scroll it's up, I much. would just cry even more. But he, everything he said, it just, I, I don't know. It just, it kind of like lit this fire in me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of like, okay, so what can we do? I know that we can vote. Everyone's like, vote, vote, vote. But government has failed us already. Right. What are we so going to, what like, is our next option? Exactly. I think too, it's um, something that I think about well it's something that I never really thought about before because I've always thought that I had the option that I just was choosing not to have children of my own yes and it's just really horrifying to think that that might be something that I wouldn't have a choice about yeah because I mean they were talking about getting rid of contraception and I know that you have your IUD IUD yeah Yeah. and then the people, I don't think they understand. So a lot of women in this country have a really hard time getting pregnant. Right. And they go through IVF. Yes. They don't understand what they just did. Because, say that if you are somebody in that red state who is going to go over IVF, you are doing something illegal because basically what they do is they take the most viable eggs Mm -hmm. and the sperm and they insert it and everything else gets thrown out. Exactly. So if you're saying that life happens at conception, so in that Petri dish, they take the sperm and the egg and that's that's conception. conception. So you can get arrested or sued for doing IVF. And that's something I don't think anybody understands. Nope. And that they didn't even think of in cons- taken into consideration. I don't think they thought about anything. No. I really don't. And then the people that are like out there like, oh, and I got my video taken off of TikTok because all I did was sit there and shake my head at whatever her name is. I can't stand her. Um, I can't even remember her name. She's got a weird face. I think she was with Trump. Um, What's her face? Oh, the one that Kate Mc. Kate McMinnon made fun of on Saturday Night Live. Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I don't she, remember. I don't really care what her name no. is. I don't care. She's like talking about like how children will be safer, like safer, safe Such in the womb, bullshit. and that like we have to keep our kids safe as we have a school shooting where the kids are not safe and all these school shootings that are happening in this country but we don't want to regulate guns or right. gun control and like mothers who don't have paid maternity leave or who leave, yeah who you know just i mean that's not maybe maybe not a well it is a safety thing in a way like there's no there's a shortage on baby formula yeah. like but you know, let's keep it Anything, keep it going. Yeah, any there's there's a shortage on formula. There's a shortage on tampons. 
Is there really? Yeah, there's a shortage on tampons, and I know it hasn't been widespread, and I don't yeah. know what exact tampon brand it is, but I started to see that, and I started people saying that there's alternative um, things. It's like, it just feels like a war against it women is. and is. children. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It is. And the, another thing that really bothers me is like, I am in an interracial marriage. Yeah. I mean, my husband is Puerto Rican. He is mm-hmm. Hispanic. You wouldn't have known looking at him because he's he's grown up here. He's like, right. you know, he, he, I think that he just, as they say sometimes, he tells me, he's like, I think I'm just passing. Like, you know, and, and I was like, okay, like, I understand that. Yeah. But the thing is, is that my parents, who I love dearly, right. are hardcore Republicans. Oh, God. And they don't seem to grasp the idea that, like, I have a niece, and she is Puerto Rican as well, because my, mm-hmm. my brother's wife is Puerto Rican. And the thing I think that my family doesn't grasp at is, like, these people are, like, like hurting your grandchildren mm-hmm. and your future grandchildren yep. who you sit there and say are like the best people but you you're voting are, you're against voting them, against them. Mm-hmm. you're voting against your own children right. and it's something that i just don't think it's grass because they're just so set in their ways and then that's not like that's i mean that's how they were brought up For like sure. you can't I can't fault them for that right but at the same time like i have to protect my children mm-hmm. And, I'm, and my husband will protect me, and he will protect our children. Exactly. And that's something that scares us both. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as, like, we want a baby, I'm like, in spite of these, like, oh, I can curse, right? You can Oh, yeah. Me. So yeah. in spite of these motherfuckers, like, I don't want to get pregnant. Yeah. And I, that's something I've been wanting to do for, Probably like, forever. Uh, forever. Like, I want to be a mom so bad, and I'm getting older. And I, I'm going to be high risk anyway. Yeah. So that scares me that if yeah. we don't protect our rights and say, I get pregnant, and then come November, like if we don't. Oh, it can all, it go, can all down go downhill. Down. And then they're saying that, like, you can sue a woman for having a miscarriage. Sometimes you can't control what your Absolutely body does. Absolutely not. It, Absolutely no. not. It, this is so, so backwards. And I feel like it's just so hurtful. It to is. women. It really is. There's no equality in this world. As much as we wanted to fake it for how many years, yeah. you let someone come in and it was like everyone came out of the woodwork. Everyone's like, oh, I could just be who I am. No more faking anymore. Oh, that's good. It's good to know who you are. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, it's like you have just gone so backwards. Mm-hmm. So backwards. And we're in 2022. Like, you and I are sitting here in pants. Yeah. We're not... Like, can you imagine? Like, I... It, did you ever watch The Handmaid's Tale? Oh, I, I watched just feel, The Handmaid's Tale. I just feel like it's just heading, like, and scarily into that direction. It's almost... And I know there's a lot of controversy about comparing this to A Handmaid's Tale. Um, and I've seen that a lot on TikTok. So, in a way, I, I understand that, the, like, that's based on real experiences of indigenous women and women of color who have experienced all those Mm -hmm. things in real life yeah um but some of the things in that book and in that show like the way that it started yeah is so eerily similar to what's happening now Mm -hmm. it's it's strange it is very strange it's strange and and scary. scary yeah it's so scary like i mean like i just remember just 
my husband and I were just sitting in his office. Like, he has an office in Hellertown. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, putting up lights. And I'm just sitting there, like, scrolling through. Just, you know. And then we just had, like, the conversation. He goes, if it comes down to it, he's like, I will do what we need to do. Yeah. He's like, if it takes us, like, leaving and going somewhere else, we will. We had that exact conversation last night. Yeah. Cliff was like, we were, I mean, to be fair, I was half asleep. But <laughs> I was laying on the couch and Cliff was like, where would we go if if you if we left here where would you want to go and i'm like he's like no i'm really serious like where should where would we go i think we'd go to like ireland or something oh nice scott scotland where would you go um i talked about like going living on like a vineyard in italy and then just like being like old italian winemakers Mm. and i pretty much think that I would probably never age again. Um, probably not. No, either that or like living in like off the coast of Spain. Like I want to oh. be by the water. Yeah. And that's that where beautiful. I would go. Or I would just, or we would go, I don't want to go where there's all those hurricanes or I go like the tropics, right. but still a little too close, I think. <laughs> just or, a little close. Or I mean, or I'd go back to Mykonos in Greece because when I was 18 and went on vacation there, what? I told my friends to leave me. Oh, the funny story. Funny story. So my friend goes, Do you want I thought she said to me, Do you wanna go see Greece? Like I'm thinking she means the the musical. (laughs) Because it it would this was two thousand and five and Greece was back on Broadway. So I was like, Yeah, sure. So I was like, Okay, so I go to the meeting and it's our science teacher, Mrs. Bennett, who is Greek and like I, she's been to Greece all the like multiple times. So it's like talking about all these Greek. I, and I'm just looking at my friend like, I thought we we're gonna go see a show. She's like, No, Mary, we're the going country. to Greece. So my parents were very excited when I came home and told them how much it was gonna cost. They're like, um, we thought it was gonna be like three hundred dollars. I was like, Yeah, so it's gonna be like you know over a thousand. Like, they, I guess they paid for it. I don't remember because I went to Greece. That's amazing. It was the best time. It looks so gorgeous. It there. is gorgeous. I think why all of us cried this week. Oh it, yeah, it's worse. It and like you know, it's one of those things that it's it's not going to just be swept under the rug. No, and we're going to keep talking about it. And I, like I mean, people probably have started unfollowing me off of social media because every day yeah, on ahead. on my on my stories I post videos. Yep, and it's not I'm not even like posting like hate videos. It's educational it's videos in- and it's information. And I shared this conservative Republican from Texas, people who loves everybody, mm-hmm. and was like. And they said, I'm a conservative Republican. I was like, no, no, honey. You are a human being. Yeah. Don't, like, I don't, you don't have to label yourself as that. And like I said to, like, Nick and whatever you believe in, I said, I believe that there is something. I grew up my whole life in church. I don't believe in organized religion. I think it's a scam. I'm sorry. I agree. I think it really is. And... It's one of those things, like, I'm a spiritual person. I believe in what I believe in. Yeah. And I, these people that have this agenda are so stuck in what, like, I have paper in front of me, right? They're so stuck in interpreting what a little book says that has been changed how many times. times. And you can't tell me that they didn't change it just to make these 
make it seem like this is God's word to get their agenda across. Yeah. And that's what they're doing again. Whatever happened to separation of church and state? It's gone now. It's gone. Because they're pushing their religious beliefs on other people. Mm-hmm. And they shouldn't. They shouldn't be. And frankly, I think we need to start at least taxing the churches. That's our next oh, step. Oh, yeah. I think that should be the next. For sure. Like, but yeah, I think it's so horrifying that we're basing something off of a religion that was founded like Jesus was not I don't I don't think he was who who they people think he was like oh he he probably was cool as plug you're missing how many years of his life I know and all of a sudden he's like in his 30s and he's on this mission because he's about to die he sounded like a radical fuck. Like, oh, I bet he was. And you cannot tell me there is no way that Mary Magdalene wasn't his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Or and his they wife. were just friends. No, no. Because that's what they want you to believe because they change it how they want you to perceive it. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that, and I could tell you, like, I mean, yeah, I. I'm sure I have listened to that and it's been stuck in my brain and it's like something that I can tell you just from long, long time. Just, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, like it's in my brain. Like, this is what I learned. This is, this is right. And this is wrong. But the whole thing is, is that like, and I, I'm going to sound crazy for saying this, You're not. but the thing is, is that everyone wants to blame everything on the devil. They all want to say it's the devil, it's the devil, it's the devil. No, it is people. Mm-hmm. Because people have free will and we have free choices. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's entities out there that may influence things. Oh, they for might sure. just get you the talk ball about rolling. All the time on yeah. Here. Yes. But the thing is, is that it's the person and it's your free will yourselves. Something that I remember, I don't know who told me this, but I remember it, I, it might have been my mom, but like I had heard maybe my first ghost story as a little girl. Mm-hmm. And I was horrified and my mom was like ghosts are not the problem she's like you should be afraid of other people before you're afraid of a ghost she said ghosts are spirits and should you know based on what you believe in but she's like people are scary Mm -hmm. she's She's right ghosts ghosts, for the most part are not gonna hurt you but no people are scary because and now like we all have these okay we all have cell phones we all have TVs, we all have computers, mm-hmm. and we all have things talking at us yeah. that are just like dumbing us down in a way. Because we're like, okay, this is this is what it's this here. is what they told me. Yeah. This is what I should believe in. And I think the one thing about me is is I always look at everything outside the box i nothing ever to me is strictly black and white unless i am eating an oreo cookie right oreos are black and white okay there's no gray there's no gray but it's it's all gray so you can't you can't just say that you are like this person and i know people have very strong beliefs and they believe in what they believe in but the thing is is that there's other beliefs out there there's other things out there that you have to listen like people just don't listen Mm -mm. because they choose not to and i will listen to somebody who is pro-life i will listen to why they're pro-life and then i understand where they're coming from because i could tell you back in like when i was probably like a teenager Mm -hmm. i would tell you i was probably pro-life um when i grew up in all of 
um, yeah. high school and in grade school, mm-hmm. I was like, well, I mean, that's what my teachers say is right. That's well, yeah. what my priest says is right. That's mm-hmm. what my parents say is right. So that must be right. Like, I don't yeah. know. But then as I got older and I have friends in situations. Right. And I've been in situations. Right. And like, I... You know, it's one of those things that I was listening to Michael Rappaport. Uh-huh. I love him. And he goes, you don't need to put your story out there. He's like, we get it. We like, know. we understand. Like, we know what's happening. So I was like, because I'm like, oh, I should put my, but I don't need to. Mm-mm. But the thing is, is that I think about it now. And I know that one of my dearest friends had a situation. And um, it ended up that they had to abort the pregnancy. Yep. And I was that type of person. I was like, okay, well, don't you think you should keep the baby? Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm young. And they're like, no, like, this is what happened. And I was like, okay. So I took them. I sat in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, they have to do whatever they have to do. The thing that bothered me the most is that there was a young girl. And you could tell that she was pretty badly beaten up. Ugh. I'm like, I think what from the perspective of what I was understanding is that I believe she was a rape victim, but it was her stepfather that raped her. So, and she was pregnant and hearing like hearing a little bit of that story and seeing her and seeing her mother in tears. And she's like, she had to be like, I would say like 11 or 12. Like she was very young young. young. and that completely changed my perspective on it. Completely changed my perspective on it. And then I went through college, and I met more people, mm-hmm. and you know things happened. We all went to parties. We all Maybe acted a fool. You know bit. what I mean? Yeah. And then you know people end up in situations, and my whole thing, my whole perspective changed yeah. because I thought to myself, "Oh my God, what if that was me?" Yeah. Like what? What if? What like? What if that was me? Mm-hmm. I always think because little backstory, I was in a really bad relationship at one time yeah i came home i can only like if he impregnated me oh what would i do <laughs> i like i i literally ran away from this person yeah. and i can only like i mean what would my parents say to me if i like came home and i was like nope not keeping it nope yeah you know it was like god like thank god it didn't happen yeah but it could but have. it could have been a reality for me yeah. it could be for all of us mm-hmm Dude, even if you're on the pill, people get pregnant. Like, oh, I know. I know. It's... It's just... and But like I said again, it's it's not just about abortion. It, it's an attack on women. It is. It is a, it's a, an absolute attack on women. And it's a, an attack on every woman. And I don't even care if you're like pro-life white women. They're coming after you too. Oh, everybody's going like, down. That's what I think I don't understand. They're all excited. Oh, abortion. You don't get it. Okay, you can be pro-life and say you get pregnant. You say you get raped, okay? And then you can keep your baby. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you're pro-life. But you know what? That's still your choice. Exactly. So you're explain making to me, that decision. You're making that decision based on what you believe in. So how are you going to sit there and be like, I'm pro-life? No, you're pro-choice. Yeah. You totally made that choice to keep that baby. Yeah, because you could. You you have that option and, to make that. Yeah, God yeah. forbid. What if you get pregnant? And like I was reading about those babies that don't develop a brain. Yes. I was and then reading those about women that this have morning. to Yeah, the women have to carry them now because they can't do the and then they have to carry them to almost full term. You have people like think of the mental state and of women. Delivering. Being like being like, Oh, how far along are you? Mm-hmm. What a beautiful blessing. Knowing that your baby is not developing. Not going to and, live. And then half the time 
they have to get a C-section. And a C-section is very invasive. That's a huge you lose, surgery. You lose a lot of blood yep. and it's a lot of recovery. Mm-hmm. They go through layers and layers of skin and organ to get to that. Uh-huh. It's like, you're like a Ziploc bag. Yeah. Really. Literally. But, but it's, that's okay. But that's okay. But, but that's what I mean. Like, how are you as a woman not understanding that your rights have been taken away yeah. and you're cheering in the streets. Yeah, we, we there's a lot a lot to un, to talk about. I know, but. and I always like every time I listen, I'm just like, oh, we're I'm, we're never gonna do that. I'm like, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. It's very easy. It is very easy because it's just so much to talk about, and I think right now there's a lot to talk. And about. And there is, and it's. It's kind of nice because, like, I didn't want to really come here and just, like, keep rambling, but... No, I love it. It's just it's just one I of those things cool. that's on my mind. It was on yes. my chest and, like, you know what I mean? And, it, and if I can raise even just a little awareness or something that maybe somebody didn't know. It's important. It is important and it's important to talk about. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things right now that it's on the mind of a lot of people. I think, mm-hmm. like, just talking about it and making... You know, it makes us feel not so alone. Yeah. Like, it's not, not that I ever have felt alone, mm-hmm. right, like, in, as being a woman, but, you know, it's nice to hear. It's nice to talk about. So I appreciate, yeah. you, you know, talking about it. And- of course. And it would be nice, like, even to know if other people have other perspectives on yeah. things. Because they're, I love to know other people's perspectives. And people will share it. They yeah, will. because I love that. Because then not only... Do I get to understand? You educate me. Mm-hmm. You learn new things from new people new all things. the time. And I might not agree, but it's nice but to like, learning. learn about it. And then take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. Instead of sometimes just people have diarrhea of the mouth. Yeah. And they just say what they want to say because they think they can. And and then you just look at them and like, did your parents just not, like, who raised you? Right. That's what I, like, who raised you? Yeah, what happened? Who raised you? Well, so uh, I heard you have a spooky topic. I mean, it's not really spooky. It's more disturbing. Oh, good. Like, Uh, and it's disturbing in a way that you just wouldn't think. And thank you, Ghost Adventures and um, Zach, for totally overplaying his hand in this, as always. Oh, that's what we love about it. Like, I love it, but it was, it really piqued my interest. Yeah. And I was just like, ooh, like, I'm going to do my topic on this. Like, I was going to come out with, like, Jack the Ripper. Ooh. Because I was like, oh, that's historical. I love history. Yes. But there's so much unknown. It's hard. They don't even know who Jack the Ripper really was. Mm -mm. Like, I was like, I can just, like, watch the movie with Johnny Depp and just tell you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, it's on TV, so. But, no, this, um, it's, it's a little shocking. Well, tell me all about it. I'm ready. All right. So I'm going to be speaking out about a serial killer (laughs) named Dorothea Fuente. Oh, (laughs) wait. Hold on. I literally, you had, did you, you texted me about this. I texted you this. And I think that I listened to it, like a thing about it. And I was like, (gasps) I was like, oh my gosh, you didn't do it. No, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. But I, when you had told me about it, I listened to it. So I was like. I've heard this before, but... (laughs) All right. So I'm just going to start how, like, and I did paraphrase, and I do have all my resources. Perfect. Um, So this is kind of, like, 
using the information, but kind of in my own words, I kind of like unfolded yeah. a tale. Oh yeah, because you know the- theatrical people. This We're is very how you have good to do at it. this shit. Yes. So picture it. It's 1988, Sacramento, California. Two detectives and a parole officer arrived at a boarding house in search of a missing person, Bert Montoya. They were met by an older, innocent-looking woman, Dorothea Puente. Mm. What they uncovered that day shocked the world. Mm. So then I'm going to dive a little bit into Dorothea's um, life. Okay. So Dorothea Puente was born Dorothea Helen Gray on January 9, 1929. She lived in Redlands, California. She was a six of seven children who grew up in an unstable environment. Her father died when she was eight years old from tuberculosis. Her mother, who was an abusive alcoholic, died a year later from a motorcycle accident. Dorothea and her siblings were sent off in different directions, some bouncing from foster care and other relatives. At the age of 16, Dorothea took off on her own to Olympia, Washington, where she tried to make a living as a sex worker. Okay. And unfortunately, she didn't do very well because in 1945, when she was 16 years old, she met and married Fred McFall, which would be her first husband. They had had a brief three-year marriage that produced several children that she didn't raise. She Mm -hmm. had two children. One was sent to a relative, and the other one was sent to foster care, and she did have a miscarriage. Okay. Um, After a divorce, she went back to California. In San Bernardino, she committed her first real crime. She bounced a check. You remember getting arrested for this? Um, can you imagine? <laughs> no. And like, people don't even know how to do checks anymore. People don't know how to write checks anymore. But she bounced a check and spent four months in jail. Oh, that's so, such yeah, a long time. Right? Dorothea was supposed to stick around to serve out her probation, but she skipped town. Dorothea found herself in San Francisco where she met and married her second husband, Axel Bren Johnson, in 1952. They had a volatile marriage. Oh, good. Axel complained about Dorothea's gambling and drinking problems. He even sent her a psychiatric ward after she tried to perform a sex act on an undercover officer. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? She's like, hmm. I, yeah. And um, I also researched that they basically diagnosed her as a schizophrenic oh. and that she was like a menace to society. <laughs> but Great. Uh, yeah. But despite all of this, their marriage lasted until 1966. Wow. I don't, there was no record if they had any children together. I'm okay. I'm not sure if they did and they're just not mentioned. It might be for like their safety Maybe kind of deal. Maybe it's their safety yeah. kind of deal. Um, so then after that, Dorothea then married Robert Puente in 1968. That marriage lasted 16 months. She did keep his last name though. I, yeah. After Roberto, she married a man named Pedro Angela Matel. Montalova, but he left one week after their marriage. One week. Mm-hmm. So now we move on to the rest of Dorothea's Oh my god, time. what a lady. This woman kind of lived a little bit of a life of crime. I, yeah, I can imagine. So Dorothea was not an innocent woman. Besides her first crime of bouncing a check, she was also arrested for having a brothel where she was a madam and a sex worker. She was also connected to meeting a man at a bar, taking him home, and drugging him. As he was laying on the couch, he watched her as she robbed him. What? Yes. 
So basically, this man is like drugged out on the couch, watching her just steal all his stuff, can't move, and she just took his stuff and said goodbye. Damn, that is and she left. Old. And he reported her to the police. Good. Dorothea also posed as a doctor or a nurse for the elderly. <laughs> she, Yeah, she would carry around a medical bag with a stethoscope, a blood pressure cuff, and other items that made it seem like she was a medical professional. <laughs> In reality, she was going to these people's houses, drugging them and robbing them of their possessions. Wow. Mm-hmm. Dorothea in 1970 decided she could be a caretaker and oh. opened her first boarding Perfect. house. I know. <laughs> she was admired for her work in the community. She would give money to politicians and give like back to her community. She was known as a woman who would take on the tough cases okay. or the shadow people, as they were called. So these mm-hmm. are people that were like alcoholic, drug addicts, and mentally ill, and the elderly. Behind the scenes, Dorothea was doing some more sinister things. Mm. She would have their tenants come and live with her, and she would be signing her own name on their social security checks as well as stealing their valuables so basically what happens is is that they were living on social security she was in charge of their money so Mm -hmm. she would take what was needed for rent and food but what she was really doing was just taking it all so she would feed them she would clothe them she would bathe them so she came off like the perfect caretaker of course but in reality, she was stealing their stuff. Dorothea in 1970... Oh, wait, I said that already. During this time, she met a woman named Ruth Monroe. Ruth's husband, Harold, knew Dorothea from a club where Dorothea was a cook. Mm-hmm. The two women became friends and even opened up a corner cafe together. Uh-huh. Dorothea kept telling Ruth that the cafe was not making enough money and began to keep asking her for more money for the cafe. So she basically was like, oh, the cafe's not making money. We have to do this. We have to do that. And Ruth was like, okay. And just kept giving her money to keep the cafe open. At this time, Dorothea took over as a caretaker for 1426 F Street in Sacramento, California. This was in total violation of her parole. (laughs) But since she was married so many times, she used her multiple last names for paperwork. paperwork. It was also the 80s, and, you know. Nothing really counted. Nothing really counted, and they didn't have the organization as they do today. Yeah. At the boarding house, Dorothea lived upstairs while her tenants lived downstairs. She would cook for them and take care of their finances, again, such as their Social Security checks. So basically, she went from this one boarding house, and she was not supposed to be there. So she left and then found this one to take over. Uh, So she was, I think she was caught. It's kind of, the timeline is kind of iffy. Because it seems like she was caught a couple times for doing this. I think she was caught because of that man that she drugged. Okay. So it doesn't really classify, like, how long she might have went to jail um, or if she was just on parole um, for that. Yeah, so well, it gets, te- like, fuzzy it, with It all gets that very stuff. fuzzy with yeah. all that stuff. But she definitely was not supposed to be doing this. So, at, like I said, at the boarding house, she lived upstairs and the tenants lived downstairs. In 1982, Ruth's husband, Harold, became terminally ill with cancer. After he died, Ruth decided to move in with Dorothea. And Ruth's kids were fine with that because they were under the assumption that Dorothea was a nurse. 
because oh, she posed yeah. as like a doctor. So they figured if anybody, Ruth should go live with Dorothea. It's a good option. It's for a good her. option. It's her best friend. Yeah. Her husband just died. She'll be fine. Yeah. When Ruth moved in with Dorothea, just a short three weeks after, she was dead. Oh, wow. Ruth's son, Bill, who interviewed for both documentaries that I watched, claimed that in the last three days of his mother's life, she was in a canatonic state. He mentioned that she was drinking a cocktail. He said said his mother wasn't a drinker. She didn't even like alcohol. And he stated it was like she was allergic to alcohol. Like, she didn't touch it. She didn't like it. So it was very unusual for her to be sitting and drinking alcohol. Yeah, that's very... Yes. Ruth claimed it was given to her for her nose her nerves by Dorothea. Bill said it was a green looking drink that his mother said was creme de mint. Mm. Which is gross. Who wants to drink that anyway? And also like I don't know, I feel like you would smell that if you saw your I don't know, creme creme de mint. I I I don't he just said it was like like because when I was watching the documentary he said it was like this light kind of green that makes sense. Yeah. I, it was, so, it, I mean, it was definitely the alcohol. So, after this visit, um, Bill, you know, goes home, and he said he was at work the next day, and he received a phone call from his sister that his mother was dead. Oh, my God. Dorothea claimed to authorities that Ruth committed suicide what? from being depressed over her late husband's passing. The coroner reported that she overdosed on codeine and, enf- I can't say that word, <laughs> what is it? Tylenol. <laughs> uh, like, sure. Yeah. Phenamine. Can I can't say that. Can you not? Oh, um. Yeah. What is the word for that? Um, I have no Okay, idea. well, I'm sorry <laughs> for the people that are out there that I cannot say this word. But, like, properly. can you not die from that? I, I think that if you're giving very strong doses with alcohol. True. Well, and you, you don't like, know, and you, and if you're giving it to a person over a long period of time, through their liver, yeah, malfunction, or yeah. So, like I said, Dorothy claimed that it was a suicide. When the family came to get Ruth's things, Dorothy claimed that Ruth left it all to her. Oh, there was just an empty pocketbook left. Dorothy drained her, her bank account. And basically took all her valuables. Oh, how But convenient. this is something that they didn't find out until later. The family believed that Dorothea drugged Ruth for her money, making this her first murder victim. Jesus. Around this time, Dorothea was picked up by the authorities. She was sent to prison for forging her name on social security checks and keeping the money for herself. So they finally caught up with her. Yeah. Like I said, it's very iffy because she seemed like she was doing this for a little while. So she spent three years in prison and was released on parole in 1985. Hmm. During her time in prison, she had a pen pal named Everson Gilmouth. They fell in love through their letters. Oh, my God. Once Dorothea was released, Everson moved from Oregon to California to be with her. Everson thought that they would be married, but that never happened. (laughs) November 1985, Dorothea hired a handyman to install some wood paneling in her home. This man's last name was Ismael Flores. After he finished that job, Dorothea asked if Ismael could build build her a six-foot-long box. 
She claimed she wanted to fill it with books and a few other assorted oh, items books. to put into a storage facility. <laughs> Dorothea had Ishmael take her and the box to the storage facility. However, when they got close to a riverbank, she asked him to pull over and dispose of the box into the water. Jesus Christ. And he did it. <laughs> like, why would you he agree? He did it. <laughs> I mean, in the way that they say it, it's like she like abruptly was like told him like pull over like and then was like asked him for assistance just to drop it in the water. But who in their right mind would do that if it's supposed to be filled with books? And why would you drop things? it into the water? Well, this I don't I, I think I honestly just think that she just must have paid him a lot of money probably. and probably paid him in cash. And he was like, yeah, OK, whatever. And this sure, is the I'll fucking 80s. Yeah. So like they're like, OK, yeah, no. Stranger danger? That doesn't exist. It was a lawless wasteland in the 80s, I feel. Yeah. So, it was New Year's Eve when, um, I'm sorry, New Year's Day when a fisherman spotted the box. So, we're talking like three months later. The fisherman described it as looking like a homemade coffin. (laughs) They contacted the authorities. The investigators arrived to find a decomposing body of an elderly man inside. No. The body was a John Doe for 10 years. That was until a trial begun and new evidence came to life. They discovered that later on it was Everson Gilmouse uh, making this Dorothea's second victim. Jesus. Dorothy Miller was a 64 years old and another tenant of Dorothea's boarding house at 1426 F Street. She mysteriously vanished in 1987. Oh my Benjamin God. Fink was a 55-year-old and was known... As an alcoholic, he found his way to Dorothea's house. In April of 1987, Benjamin mysteriously vanished as well. One tenant recalled Dorothea taking a sickly-looking Benjamin upstairs to, quote, make him feel better. Oh. Leona Carpenter was a 78-year-old woman who was brought to Dorothea after being discharged from a hospital visit. Leona suffered for two weeks on Dorothea's couch. Leona apparently died of a drug overdose and was never seen again. Those who knew her know she was too ill to even take that much medicine. Wow. Like, she wasn't even capable of feeding herself. Yeah, so why would she be So why would she be drug overdosing? Okay. Alvaro Bert Montoya was a 51-year-old man that suffered from schizophrenia. Bert was placed in Dorothea's care by a social worker named Judy Moyes. Judy heard great things about Dorothea and felt that Bert would be in the best hands. When Judy brought Bert over to meet Dorothea, she was sitting in the living room bottle feeding kittens. Judy felt like she was just a wonderful old lady. So basically, she's just sitting there in a rocking chair, has like a box of kittens, just like hand feeding them, like the cutest little old grandma you ever see. Yeah, you would want to trust her. Yes. Judy would call from time to time to check up on Bert. He was a special case to her, and she liked to keep an eye on him. Things began to change. Dorothea started making weird excuses of why he couldn't come to the phone. Eventually, she told Judy that Bert went to Mexico with his brother-in-law to visit family. Weird. Judy knew that Bert did not speak to his family and grew suspicious of this behavior. Judy then began driving past the house. 
and seeing piles of dirt in Dorothea's small yard. Oh my god. Dorothea claimed that she liked to garden. (laughs) Judy became even more suspicious when she heard from a detox center employee that Bert once told them that Dorothea was making him take drugs against his will. Wow. All of this led up to Judy filing a missing persons report. Good for Judy, though. So next, we have Betty Palmer. She was another elderly tenant, about 77 years old. On August 19, 1986, she apparently went out for a doctor's appointment and never came back. Wow. James Scollop was placed in Dorothea's care after he had a brain tumor in 1987. Gollop told his doctor that he would be boarding with Dorothea. He allegedly was never seen again. It's, isn't it weird that like all these people just went to live with her and then never were seen again? And they're like, you know what? Let's just like, you don't think because they're they, they, like, as they qualify themselves and they said they're like shadow people. So these are people of society true, true. that yeah. people didn't really care about. And yeah. these are people that didn't really have family members and they didn't have probably an option for care at that time so and so then the last one was vera Faye martin who was a 64 year old woman who found her way to dorothea puente's boarding house she mysteriously disappeared as well as i mentioned before judy moise um moise became very suspicious of her client bert montoya's trip to mexico so much that again she started to investigate a little herself when she, like, she was driving by, she kept calling. She wanted to know who Bert went with. Mm-hmm. She just, like, kept asking questions. And she said that Dorothea was starting to get upset with her. Hey, Andy. Andy just sat right in between us. He's like, mm-hmm. he's like, okay, I'm listening. It's me now. And he's like, it's the interrupting Andy. Interrupting Andy. So she was very concerned and just mm-hmm. something just didn't seem right. To the point where she did contact the authorities for a missing persons report. Good. On November 11th, 1988, the police showed up to the house in search of Bert Montoya. When the door opened, a little old lady who looked like she was in her late 60s opened the door. Mm -hmm. The detective questioned her about Bert Montoya as well as her other tenant, John Sharp. Their stories collaborated. That was until John one of, slipped one of the investigators an envelope that said, she's making me lie for her. Ooh. He slipped that to them as they were leaving. But when they were there, you should see this. This lady was smart. On the calendar, even on the calendar, she had Bert goes to Mexico and had it Whoa. all like lined out. Like she like, was, okay. like he actually like was in Mexico. That's so smart. They, you gotta she, give it to her. Like, She's smart. I mean, they were showing him, and and then John, who was her other tenant, was like, "Oh yeah, like we took him down to Mexico," and they're like, "Okay, like you know." So the authorities had n- nothing really to go on wow. at that point. The police left and then came back to search the house. They d- then they came back the next day to search the house. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So the police left and came back to search the house the next day. They didn't find any evidence of Bert. However, John Cabrera, he was one of the, tech- the missing persons detectives, mm-hmm. um, he did see a lot of blue pill bottles around the house, which seemed a little suspicious to him. Yeah. He also, like, mentioned, and I kind of um, forgot to mention this in there, too, that later on there was... Um, this room with this floorboard 
that like was kind of like warped, smelled really bad, was mm. a little discolored. Um, but you know, he figured maybe it was just like an old house. Like he didn't it's just weird. Really, there was something suspicious about it. Yeah. So they asked Dorothea if they could dig in her yard because Judy said dig in her yard. Yes, Judy, Judy. had this whole yeah. suspicion of saying dig in her yard. In the yard, she asked why. Um, and they said that there was suspicious activity in her yard per the neighbors, which was true because some of the neighbors said that she was out there digging late at night, which was kind of strange. Which very weird. Um, it was also known that she made had somebody, like a homeless man that she befriended and adopted named Chief, um, that oh. he would be doing things around the house for her, even like pouring concrete slabs and like all this stuff, but at weird times and hours of the night stuff you usually do like in the daytime yeah um real quick i'm not ignoring Mm -hmm. you i'm just gonna order food really quick so please do um so this crazy woman she agreed and she even gave the detectives a shovel yeah (laughs) really Uh uh-huh so john cabrera and the other investigators began digging they found some trash along with with cloth and other debris John dug about three feet down when he hit something hard. He thought it was a tree root. He kept digging and eventually pulled out a human femur Holy shit. The detectives walked in the house to tell tell Dorothea what they discovered. She asked if she was under arrest. (laughs) They told her no. The next thing Dorothea did, because there was a parole officer there, was look at the parole officer and said that she was in violation of her parole. So she knew. She wasn't even lying she, about No, it. Like, she knew she was in violation of her parole because they were questioning her. And you know what I mean? The one thing that, like, she said, and the, her whole thing is, is that she's not guilty. Like, I, this is what she has said. Yeah. Um, but she said she's not guilty, that she doesn't know where that bone came from. There was other tenants and people that lived here before her. Like, there was a man that lived here before her that she was like i don't know what kind of activities what kind of things he, he was did doing. in this house we don't know how old the bones are yeah so and that's when she just turned to him and was like i'm in violation of my parole like she Dang, should so have not yeah. been a caretaker okay. so they said that um so she was there was so much excitement going on because now the police were there the media started showing up Mm -hmm. um you know like neighbors everything so she asked if she can go around the corner to this motel to get a cup of coffee and that she was gonna meet her nephew there calm down a little yeah she just said she wanted she said the excitement was too much for her so the infamous picture is dorothy has stepped out in a red coat and she was holding a pink umbrella. Um, John Cabrera walked her around the corner and um, to the hotel, to the motel, yeah. left her and said he would come back for her. And they went back to digging. While the police were still discovering bodies in Dorothea's yard, Holy. she called a taxi cab and she fled to Los Angeles. What a bold bitch. Yep. So... Leona Carpenter was the first body found. It was her femur that John Cabrera pulled out of the ground. So I think wow. she was, I think she was like the third victim, like the second, the third or fourth something victim, like that, something yeah. like that. Yep. Um, and then actually, I'm sorry. She was like the fifth or sixth. Dorothea Miller's body was badly decomposed. Her arms were duct taped to her body. 
Dorothea stole Dorothy Miller's veteran ID card and continued to collect the benefits on her behalf. So basically what she did is she stole her ID card because they found this later and changed the picture. So basically, like, she put her picture over Dorothy Miller's and pretended she was Dorothy Miller to collect all her VA benefits. Benjamin Fink's body was found behind Dorothea's house. He was just in a pair of boxers. Oh, no. Bert Montoya's body was found under a freshly planted apricot tree. Judy Moyse was devastated when she heard the news. In the documentary on Netflix, she stated that Bert led them to finding this horrific serial killer. Also to mention, Dorothea hired a man to pretend to be Bert's brother-in-law. She really went to extreme lengths. With she him. was like very um, calculating. Yes, calculating. Like she's very into this. Oh wait, wait. <laughs> oh no. Bert was also known as Puente's last victim. He was. He was. But can you imagine? I'm sure. And and I when I watched you know Ghost Adventures because mm-hmm. you know they're crazy. Just yes. a side note. Um, when they were doing the investigation. They were speaking to Benjamin Fink, mm-hmm. I think, and he was alluding that there was more bodies on the property. Wow. And I mean, obviously it's a TV show, so you can there's you they can have take to play it the as you can play up. the dramatics, Yo. but there might have been. And there might still be that they don't know about. Yeah. Because there was a shed that was built, there was a concrete slab. I don't there might be someone under there. They need to look, I think. So, all right. And then Betty Palmer's body was found missing her head, hands, and feet. I'm not sure how they were able to identify it with her. And still to this day, they have no idea where her head, hands, and feet are. They don't. They have no idea where she disposed of it. And, yeah. And Dorothea also stole her ID card. She used Betty's name, but did the same thing. Put her picture on the ID. I mean, you got to give it to the woman. She, She's clever. And then James Galvis' body was a fifth to be uncovered in the backyard. James' body was identified because of the metal, the metal um, sutures in his head. Okay. Because he was the one that had the brain tumor. Uh, so I'm wondering, okay, like, okay. I don't even know if she actually killed him or maybe, I don't maybe know. Maybe he died from maybe she just ex- expedited it and was like here you go you're gonna die anyway like, yeah I don't so you know. might as well then this was the the worst so vera vera faye martin was suspected to be buried alive <gasps> evidence showed that she had claw marks in the dirt surrounding what? her also when her body was found her wristwatch was still ticking what yes Ooh. so that was like besides like Betty missing her head, her hands, and her feet. Like, I, like I, when I was watching the documentary, they said, I don't know how they really identified these bodies because half of them were, like, missing teeth. And... They were so, like, grossly dismembered. Yeah. And here you are thinking, oh, this little elderly old woman. She could never do something like that. She could like never that. do that. Well... She did. Even though some of the bodies were badly decomposed, they all had a trace of Dalamine, a sleeping agent. Mm. The manhunt began for Dorothea 
uh, as she was hiding out in L.A. Um, she went to a bar because, you know, what, what else would Why you not? do when you're like a fugitive? Um, and she met a man. And she was like sitting there talking to the man, like, you know, try, even trying to like make plans to go live with this man. What? The yeah. And she just oh. met him. But there was the man said there was something about her. Like she this seemed familiar odd. to yeah. him, but he wasn't sure. Um, so he went home that night and he was like watching the news and they were talking about her, but there was no picture. Mm-hmm. There was no picture up. So he called his local news station like now. Yeah, this is the 80s. And he asked if they can like bring over a picture. Like to his house? To his house. <laughs> and they did. What? Yeah, one of the reporters came. And I think it was, I don't know if it was a news reporter or it was a magazine reporter. They came and they brought him a picture and he goes, that's her. <gasps> that's the woman I was just having drinks with at the bar. Oh my God. So he called the authorities, told her exactly where she was because, you know, I'm sure she tried to solicit herself to him and invited him back to I'm the sure, yeah. motel. You know, I mean, she was a sex worker. Um, so the police went to the motel and picked her up. And then um, John Cabrera and his team flew to L.A. and met her on the tarmac. What? When she um, was like, because the media is there, she claimed her innocence the whole time. She How? said she did nothing wrong. <laughs> okay, so this is this is what chilled me to the bone. Oh God. Our authorities came to realize that Dorothea was not a little old lady as they thought. Oh my god, what? This really this woman really played the part. When Dorothea was arrested, she looked about sixty-five or sixty-seven. Mm-hmm. She was actually fifty-nine years old. She was 59 years old. What? If you see, if you Google her and you see her photos, she looks like she's close to 70. She purposely made herself look like a defensive, defenseless little old lady. You have to look her up. up right now. Big ass glasses, wore like house coats, but she was 59 years old. And Judy Moyes in the documentary was completely shocked because she was, like, 58. And she said this woman was a year older than her. And she yeah, couldn't believe it. She looks, she looks not No, she at was... At all, This is age. what... This was, like, what the heck? She was only 59 years old. Oh, my... I'm just looking at the picture with her with, the, like, the red coat. Mm-hmm. I would never. That's in like my the life. most infamous. Like that's like anything I watched or anything I read. That was like the infamous photo of her because she looked so sweet and innocent, like a grandma, like a grandma. Like you know, you're like going to grandma's house. She's gonna take care of you, but fucking kill you but at the same time, kill you brutally. So Dorothea's trial was moved to Monterey County, so she, as she said, she could have a fair trial. Mm-hmm. Dorothea Puente was charged with nine murders. (laughs) The defense tried to portray her as a sweet old grandma. And how could she ever commit these type of murders? But like I said, she was not a sweet old grandma there. She was a 59-year-old serial killer who looked like your sweet old grandma that was going to bake you cookies. It's kind of like arsenic and old lace, but with one lady. But with one lady. 
However, John O'Mara, the prosecutor, called over 130 witnesses to the stand. Wow. The prosecution stated that Dorothea Puente drugged her tenants with sleeping pills, alcohol, and then suffocated them. Holy shit. It was also said that she hired convicts to bury the bodies for her. So she hired convicts, and like I mentioned, she had that homeless man chief. Now, it's not... There's so many, like... It's like it's kind of like conspiracy yeah. that it was just him and that he disappeared and she might have had him pour the concrete and maybe knocked him into the concrete mm-hmm. and he's underneath that concrete or it was the man that owned the house prior beforehand, beforehand that was like her accomplice okay. I honestly just think that she was like took like I mean she was in the business with shady people and I and think she that she just paid, I think them. she took advantage of it yeah. and just paid shady people. And I think that, like, even some of her tenants probably helped her without knowing they helped well, her. Well, like the guy who threw the. Well, John Sharp. Yeah, John. Yeah. John Sharp, he, and he kept, re- like, he kept saying in the thing, she made me lie. I knew something was wrong. I could smell, like, something in the floorboards. Oof. He's like, I could smell like it just smelled like bodies like decomposing and stuff like that. And like what I said, oh. that the one investigator said eventually that the way that the reason why it looked like that and smelled that bad is because she was leaving the bodies on the floor. Oh, my she God. She left the bodies on the floor to decompose because maybe sometimes she couldn't find someone to help her bury them right away. And she lived upstairs. And she so can you imagine them. that could have been dripping down? Yeah. Ugh. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So, like I said, I just mentioned Chief. Um, Puente was labeled one of the most cold and calculating female killers this country has ever seen. Wow. In December of 1993, despite her old sweet grandmother demeanor, (laughs) Dorothea was convicted of three murders, receiving back-to-back sentences. So she was only convicted of um, Dorothy Miller... I believe it was the Ben and the Betty. But she murdered nine people. Yeah. And she was only convicted of those three. And when these when she got arrested, Pen Pals um Everson. Everson. So his family ended up contacting authorities and being like, He's been missing for like years. And I mean it was ten years before they even were able to identify him as being Everson Gilmouth. And once they they found out, they, I mean, they were extremely, like, upset because they knew of about course. Dorothea and they knew that he went to go live with her. Yeah. And, like, I, I was, like, I remember in one of the documentaries, even his family would call. But she was so calculating. She knew exactly what to say. She knew exactly what to say to make it seem... Like, he was fine. And she might even had her other tenants pretend to be him. Of course. Yeah, she so knew what she to do. she knew exactly what to do. This wasn't, this wasn't something that she was just like, um, I'm just going to do this. It's, yeah. it's, this was all, like, premeditated. She knew. She knew what to do. And I, maybe she, there's no real reason I could find of why she killed him. But it's probably for his money. Probably. I mean, she could have just married him and took him for his money that way, but, you know. But it was just, it was probably it, it cleaner was, in her mind to yeah, yeah. knock him but out. But only three murders. And she still said that she was innocent. That she didn't do it. Of course. 
So the only thing that she ever pled guilty for was stealing their social security checks. Oh, my God. That's it. That's all she pled guilty for. Yep. So I said, oh, I'm sorry. She was convicted of murdering Dorothy Miller, Uh Benjamin Frank, and Leona Carpenter. Okay. Um, Ruth Miller's family was convinced that the jury should find Dorothy um, guilty of killing Ruth. Um, But there was something that went wrong with the jury on that and it ended up being like a mistrial so um ruth who was her first victim the family never got justice for that but they were always convinced that dorothea definitely killed her for her money i'm sure she did yeah so like i said throughout her whole life and like, um, and the whole time that she was in prison, Dorothea said she was not guilty. She was even like interviewed by this magazine like twenty years later, mm-hmm. you know, like after finding the bodies. And she's like, she was like, she put her innocence. She was like, no, I'm innocent. And they're like, well, people think that you're like a cold, calculating like serial killer. And she goes, I don't give a shit what people think about me. Oh, sounds okay. like a oh, okay. But she decided. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, so they finally, like I said, they finally identified Everson's body. In prison, Dorothea liked to cook for people. So they allowed her to cook for people. Listen, she even came out with her own cookbook titled Cooking with a Serial Killer. Jesus Christ. But you were pleading not guilty and not saying that you were a serial killer. But you're going to benefit off of that. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. So she made a whole cookbook, and you can find it. I found it on Amazon. What? Yeah, you could buy it. And it's cooking with a serial killer. Oh, I don't think I'd want that. I mean, like arsenic and old lace. Like, yeah. it's kind of just like, oh, so here we have some uh, split pea soup and ham and arsenic. And, like, yeah. And then, like, <laughs> so you're going to put, like, a teaspoon of arsenic in here. Like, what? Yeah. And that, Mm-mm. what? That doesn't sit right with Yeah. Me. And like I said, she was just, she acted very cocky yeah. in this interview. And then eventually she just, like, told the guy to go. Because <laughs> uh, she was done. Wow. She was done. Dorothea died on March 27th in um, 2011 of natural causes. Of course. Of course. But her trial was one of the longest in California history. It was brutal. But she brought forth light in how elderly and homeless people were being treated in California. Dorothea once said that she made the people in her boarding house better when they were there because she bathed them, fed them, and clothed them. And killed them. And killed them. <laughs> and to mention now her house, um, they did do some renovations in it. Um, I believe now it's like a museum. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they... But I think when I was watching Ghost Adventures, they had like a new tenant that was there oh. and was like seeing her like at the edge of her bed and felt like she was like suffocating. Oh. Um, I don't know because like I think the last documentary, I, it was like it became like a museum and people like even around the world are I'm like sh- thrilled with like this whole trial because it's like fascinating how this woman who looked like a sweet little old grandmother mm-hmm. was a calculating like serial killer. Yeah. And I I do believe that there's probably more bodies. Oh, I bet absolutely. she killed more people. Probably. And there's probably people buried somewhere, maybe under her house. I mean, she under had concrete. those floor like her floorboards replaced and stuff like that. So you don't know. There might be there might be more more people. But for whatever she did it, and I I don't know 
quite honestly, I don't know how John Sharp was still alive. He was lucky. Seriously. I, I don't I don't know if she just if he was new, like there wasn't a lot about him other than that he yeah. just alerted the police. Maybe there was just something about him that she was like, eh, let him go. Yeah, let him go. I mean, and if anyone wants to watch it, there it she is in Netflix. I think she's the first episode. It's called Netflix Worst Roommates. <gasps> yes, I've seen this on yes, there. It keeps yes. coming up as recommended mm-hmm. for me. And she's also on World's Most Evil Killer season two, episode eight. Wow. Yeah, and those and that and then I just looked at um, her up on a website called All That's Interesting. dot com. Cool. And I was able just to kind of dive into just a little of her early all. life. Um, I got more of the victim information from Netflix Worst Roommates, yeah. um, and like I said, she's also um, featured on the Ghost Adventurers. Um, That's cool. You know, episode, I don't remember what episode it is. It was kind of towards the newer season. Um, they even brought in those two psychics, like the, the guy that sees the thing and the lady that draws. Yes. And she drew the ladies, like she drew Dorothea's picture. And when I saw like the picture, I was like, this woman is psycho. Like she even had like, like a weird, like creepy, like smile. Like, I don't know like if, and it's one of those things I always think about, like, when I listen to you guys and you talk about, like, a serial killer or you talk about, like, a missing kid or so, I always, like, think to myself, what, what mind frame are these people right. in? Like, what It's hard to, like, you jump do that? into that and to, like, yeah. think about that and try to put yourself in their shoes. It's just, because we're just not wired that way. No. It's, like, archaic as that is to say, say it like that. We're, our brains just don't think that way. No. And they never will. And I think that's why we're so fascinated by this world. Like, because it's just, you can't fathom. I can't even fathom, like, punching someone. I've never even punched anyone before. Okay. Like, in yeah. a fight. Okay. You're like, I, you're like, I beat people up. You're like, I would kill a man. No. I'm no, I mean, like, I mean, when I was little, like, I was, a, oh, like, yeah. I was a bully. Like, but I don't know. I don't, I, I think that, like, if someone wanted to get in, like, a physical altercation with me now, no, I don't think, I mean, I would do what I have to do. For sure. I think that, but I'm not that type of person that's going to just walk up to somebody and just punch them. No. No, it's not your first thought. No. It's your Gosh, last no. resort kind of thing uh yeah (laughs) definitely yeah it's just it's really it's frightening and interesting at the same time well it's frightening that she just played this whole persona and she was young she was young like it wasn't like she was that age well yeah my mom is she's probably punched me right in the mouth for saying this but my mom is 65 66 she doesn't look anything like that like no like i said it's like she played into that persona and i think that she that's not on record but i think she those other people that she stole from she probably made a killed a couple of them too yeah so i don't think that this was her this wasn't her first first rodeo. rodeo i think this is the first time that she got caught and it's all because of Burt Montoya and um, from Joy because she cared about him. Like the whole, when you start watching the whole documentary, it starts with him. It starts about his life. And really, he is the one that brought all this to light. Yeah. Because imagine if he 
didn't and imagine if judy joy She'd never did that going. like she would still be going and and now she i mean well i mean she would Probably be gone by now oh, but yeah. if she kept going in like the 90 and then she would actually be up in age so it's just crazy to me that and like the like the people of society that you don't think about you know that nobody ever was and like you, nobody cared you almost like i think there's already such a stigma about people elderly people and then doing that you're like oh shit like could you kill someone you know what i mean like yeah. it's just it's wrong it was just wrong of her on so many levels but to you know try to imitate someone who is much older and make them look yeah I, I, don't I think know that was what say, comfort but... people when they saw her. Yeah, they're like, she seems really Like, she nice. seems really nice. I've heard great things about her. And the way that she was active in the community. And she was, like, she always, like, gave clothes. She cooked. She, like, you know what I mean? Um, she was always giving money to the politicians. She was always, like, out there. Like, you know, she's, like, probably out there with a damn lemonade stand full of I'm arsenic. Sure. I don't know. Like, that's she's like, just, come on, kitties. Yeah, like, come on. Like, <laughs> taking care of kittens. Like, she really, really put on this persona. And it's it's crazy to me that she felt like she had to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I can't, I, like I said, I, I can never wrap my head around serial killers no. or any kind of killer or anybody that kills anyone. I cannot wrap my head around how you can be that angry or that cold or that calculating just to be like oh i'm just gonna end someone's life yeah and just and keep doing it too that's the other thing yeah maybe maybe you do it once not that that's okay it's not okay but maybe you do it once and then you're scarred for life because you're like i killed someone it was the worst thing ever but to kill someone and then be like i could do it eight more times and that's kind of what happens with these people well thank you for sharing that no thank you for letting me come on and you know, like just completely, just you know. I love it. <laughs> go off the tra- go I off love the tra- it. trail, the train tracks with you, and then talk about some crazy fake old lady serial killer. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. I was like, it's just like it. It's such a good. I think this episode is so cool, and I think it's going to be such a good one to like release and talk about now. Like, I love it. So. Yeah, and I was going to come on here and do like a spooky ghost story. Yeah. And I, I'm not a person that's in the serial killers, but this woman just strangely fascinated me. Exactly. All right. Well, so I'm going to do mine on a case I've been thinking about for a long time. Okay. And I wanted to do for a long time. And um, it came up on TikTok, of course. Of course. And I was like, well, now I have to do it. Yeah. I, have to, I must do it. Um, so it's a, it's a shorty because it is solved. And sort of. I think I've solved it. Okay, I like when you solve it. I think I solved it. But, so I did the disappearance and reappearance of Stephen Kubaki. Oh, I never heard of that. If, when I tell you it, you might. Because it's like a, it's a very distinct one. Um, So Stephen Kubaki was a student at Hope College, which was a Christian university in Southeast Michigan. And at the time he disappeared, he was 23 years old, and he was a history and a German major. And he was set to graduate with his bachelor's degree that spring. Hmm. Uh, So Kubaki was, and I might be saying this wrong, Kubaki was known to be, like, very free-spirited. 
He loved the outdoors. This is also in the 80s, too. So, well, like late 70s. And he really loved mountain climbing and cross-country skiing. Uh, Stephen was also a big fan of Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons too. Okay, these were just like some things that his friends talked about with him or talked about him. And so, at some point, there's not it's not really clear like what date it was that this happened, um, but it was in February of 1978. He had told his friends he was going to go on a cross country ski trip. Okay, and he said maybe he's like i'll be gone for like a day maybe two depending on how it goes and his friends are like okay that's pretty normal for him Mm -hmm. to do stuff like that like he was very he would just do whatever he wanted he never came back oh yeah oh (laughs) you know (laughs) so in february on february 21st 1978 snowmobilers is that right? It sounds and right. Snowmobilers. <laughs> people on snowmobiles. People on a snowmobile. In Saugatok, Michigan, they spotted cross-country skis abandoned with a backpack, and they contacted authorities who launched an air and land search because they realized that this must be Stephen. This story is very underreported so did they know he was missing and they went to go look for him or this is just no. some random people that they were just out and about. just out and about and just saw some like random snow skis and yeah and a backpack and was like missing person yeah it must be missing wow because people don't like, like that people shit. wouldn't do that today they would just be like oh they're probably off somewhere yeah just exploring the just world. exploring they're fine yeah and so there was this is kind of weird but there were 200 yards of ski prints in the snow leading to Lake Makatawa, which is a body of water that connects to Lake Michigan. So this connects to Lake Michigan. And it's February at the time. So like the lake surface was covered with ice and it was pretty thick ice. And investigators initially assumed that Steve fell in the lake and he drowned. Hmm. Which I mean... If it was thick ice, then how did he fall in the lake? Exactly. It's not like it was like he was there in September and then they found him missing in February. They found him missing like not too long after he left. Yeah. And if there wasn't like if there was a break in the ice. They would see that. They would see that, right? Because it wouldn't just freeze over. It would be a different kind of It would different. Yeah. Okay. So Stephen was presumed dead. But never declared dead. But his family believed, did not believe that he was dead. They believed that he was missing. So his dental records were actually sent in to compare them to the un- unidentified victims of John Wayne Gacy, which I thought was pretty interesting. Hmm. It didn't match. And then 15 months after his disappearance on May 5th, 1979, Stephen Kubaki woke up is what he said, in a grassy knoll in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Huh? Now, he started in Michigan. What? Right. What? He was 700 miles east from where he had vanished. That's a weird one. What? This is is weird. So what did he, like, 
he, he found like a portal and just like went through the damn portal and mm. like was gone for like seven years. That's like a gnome situation. I don't know. Like, like I don't know. Like it's fucking like, weird. That's fucking weird. The so, abominable snowman take him? Right. Like what the hell? What happened? So Stephen claimed to have no memory of what had happened to him. He just basically said that he woke up and he saw a newspaper. And when he saw the newspaper, he saw that it was not 1978 anymore. It was 1979. So he's like, "Mm, okay. So he ends up hitchhiking to his aunt's house in Great Barrington, which is in about 20 miles from Pittsfield where he woke up. There he, you know, met with his aunt and she obviously called the rest of the family and they were like, oh my God, here you are. You're back. Yeah. So, things were a little weird with Stephen when he came back. He told reporters that when he woke up, that he had found himself wearing clothes that he, that did not belong to him. And he had a backpack, backpack filled with maps and hitchhiking signs suggesting that he had traveled very far. There were signs uh, about Sacramento, San Francisco, Reno, Chicago, and Utah. Hmm. Stephen also had $40 in his pocket. He had a brand new pair of glasses and a new haircut. And he had a t-shirt from a marathon, like, in Wisconsin. I've never ran a marathon, but I guess you get a t-shirt when you run a marathon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he had one of those kinds of t-shirts. The, the new, this broke, this news broke pretty quickly. Like it was not, he was, his family saw him and then he was being reported about like immediately. Well, yeah. I mean, the man was missing from a year, for a year. And, and he doesn't was, remember. And he doesn't remember. Oh, that's so strange. I know. This is the point I'd be sitting in my car going like, body hmm. switchers. Like, a dimension. I was like, demonic possession. Yeah, what like, you, what happened? Duh. I'd be like screaming at you guys like, guys, guys, what is this? Stephen told a reporter that he believed his blackout was caused by exhaustion and exposure. Okay. And he claimed... And he did agree to see a medical doctor for a physical, but he would not see a psychiatrist. He refused to see a psychiatrist. He said that he was in a healthy frame of mind when he set off for the trip, and that he still was, despite blacking out for 15 months and not remembering anything. Healthy frame of mind. (laughs) You know, happens all the time. Oh yeah, I'm healthy. I'm good. So he, like, I was reading an art, one of the articles that I was reading about, um, he said, like, that he had his dad, he was going to be graduating from college. His dad was handing out, like, passing his, their family home to him. Mm-hmm. He had, like, a girlfriend in Germany that he had met while studying there. So he, he said his life was very good. He had nothing that he could think of that was traumatic. He didn't feel that there was anything wrong with him emotionally or mentally. So he was like, I don't need a psychiatrist. I just need to go to a doctor. And of course he's fine. He was fine. Uh, He had lost like a little bit of weight, but he did say, he's like, I feel like I've been like running a lot. Like, I feel like I've been running and we're like, "Mm." yeah, I mean, you were in a marathon. So apparently, whatever. Apparently, yeah. Oh, so at the time, Stephen was awarded his bachelor's degree in absent. Is it absentia or absentia? I think it's absent. 
absentia. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. So he was awarded in absentia, but it was, turns out it was an honorary degree, not okay. a real degree. Um, so he had to, he went back to school and in 1983, he got a master's degree in linguistics and a PhD in clinical psychology. Oh, wow. That's why he was fine, because he knew psychology. He's like, well, I am a psychologist, so... Yeah. So Stephen really didn't talk much with the media about this. It was kind of when he was discovered, they talked about it, and then he was like, eh, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's not a big deal. He, he you know, moved forward with his life. Oh, did I say he was a psychologist? He's now a psychologist, like, currently. You said he graduated. He works- okay, so, so he's... he's- He's alive and well currently and works as a psychologist, Hmm. but he still refuses to talk about the incident in 1978. Um, His mom at the time, his parents are now deceased, but his mom was very content with the idea that she would never know what happened to him. And she was okay with that. She's like, oh, well, he's here and he's fine. So no biggie. No, I'd be nosy as shit. Oh. Tell me what happened. Hell yeah. I'd be like, let's trace back our steps. So we're going to like hypnotize you. Oh. And then we're going to, you're going to just go down this path and tell me what happened. I can't even imagine losing my memory for like, well, you know, like after you've been drinking for a whole night and you're like, oh my God, I can't remember like the last 10 minutes when I got home. Like, what did I do? How did I get to bed? And that is something that scars you for life. Like Mm -hmm. 15 months. But you can't, like, I mean, even in, like, a blackout situation or, like, even, like, or, like not a blackout, like, a brownout yeah. like, situation, like, when you drink alcohol, the next day you have memories of the stupid shit that you did the night that, before. That, like, infers what like, happened. Yeah, and, like, and, and there's also times where you might have just had, like, a complete blackout. And then, like, the next time you drink, you think, oh, my God, like, you see a certain person. And you're like, oh. And then, oh. then something flashes in your mind and you're like, oh. Oh shit! That's what happened. That's what happened. Yeah. So you, you can't. You can't. Something just, happened. Yeah. So Stephen's disappearance at the time it was like a very like oh my god man's reunited with his family and then it started to garner a lot of cynicism from people because they're like no no he didn't just come back something happened when the story was published in the newspaper for the first time the newspaper received a phone call something mm-hmm. they were contacted by a man who claimed that he drove Stephen Kubaki he's the one who drove him when he hitchhiked to his aunt's house and he said that Stephen told him a completely different story at the time oh yeah so this man he said that he picked up a man who called himself Nathan, but he looked strangely like Stephen Kubaki. He had seen the pictures of him. This guy was also a student, like a college student as mm-hmm. well. And Nathan kind of gave him a story that was sort of similar to what Stephen Kubaki's story was, but just a little bit different, like just strangely different. Um, he He picked up a man who was just like Stephen, heading from Pittsfield to Great Harrington, the exact same route that Stephen was taking. Hmm. And Stephen had told them that he was going to visit a friend to bring them good news about someone who was missing. And he, they talked together about traveling. They talked together. Um, he had told Nathan, had told the driver he was in San Francisco and he had taken a bus to Boston. 
And they just kind of told each other stories about traveling and like different different things. The guy said there was nothing weird about this man. There's nothing that you would think was strange. Not someone who maybe just woke up from and realized it was a year later. Mm-hmm. And so that really got the bowl, the ball rolling with this story being a little bit suspicious. Yeah. Um, but the the story itself took off. I would say with people like us pretty immediate well i guess i don't know whenever the internet started looking at conspiracy theories mostly because the the area that he disappeared in was no is in an area known as the michigan triangle and it's this area spans from manitowoc wisconsin to Ludington, michigan and to south benton harbor which i don't know any of these places me neither uh, but the triangle has accounted for numerous mysterious events beginning in 1891 when a schooner named Thomas Hume set off across Lake Michigan for lumber and uh, he disappeared along with his crew of seven sailors. They never even found the boat. So there's been like, it's a very weird place. There's been a lot of disappearances, a lot of alien sightings. So this kind of came and meshed with the lore of this area in Michigan. Uh-huh. Stephen, still to this day, I mean, he doesn't talk to reporters anymore, but he stands by the fact that his memory was completely blank. And medical professionals said that this kind of amnesia is extremely rare and only caused by major trauma, which Stephen said he didn't experience. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, maybe that's something he doesn't remember see now i'm so suspicious i i thought this i was like wow this is a very weird case and then as i kept researching i'm like fuck this guy um but yeah he said he you know he said he hadn't experienced anything bad he was very happy with his life Mm. but medical professionals were like if he did have this much memory loss something was up Mm -hmm. something was going on yeah so steven never talked to the media And he decided he didn't want to remember what happened, and neither did his family. He spent the rest, he's been spending his time running, writing poetry, and making up his honorary college degree, which he did. Mm -hmm. He also weirdly wrote a book called Meta Mathematical Foundations of Existence Godel, Quantum, God, and Beyond. And uh, that is the weird story of Stephen Kobaki. I kind of feel like he's a fraud. He's, uh, I believe 100% he's a fraud. I think he wanted to leave. I think I honestly, and just the way that you said, I'm going to be gone for like one to two days. Yeah. That was like very specific. That wasn't like, hey guys, you know, I'm going to go here for the weekend. Maybe I'll like be back. Just like the time that he said and knowing that he, psychology. So obviously he like knew the right things to say yeah. to kind of make it seem like that i think the guy just wanted to disappear from life for a while exactly and then probably just started to like run out of money and was like oh i guess it's just time to go home that is so i was like going through the comments and stuff like that and they're like this dude just wanted to disappear and then when he got bored he came back and yeah didn't exactly wanna say- he just didn't want to say that hey like my life was actually like really hard. Like I was a col- it was my last year of college. Yeah, it's stressful. Like I'm, it's stressful. You know what I mean? Like I have like I like I'm just gonna pretend that I have the perfect life. Yeah, and I don't because that happens to people and people don't talk about that. It's super 
it's so weird that this has when I've heard about this case so much and they're like the mysterious disappearance of Stephen Kubaki and they're like he he vanished into thin air like I don't think so and then the more you look into it you're like the dude ran away like yeah the dude ran away he left his shit on purpose probably like hitchhiked with somebody got to where he wanted to go experienced all the things he wanted to experience and then it was done and then it was done and then just decided to come but instead what happens is and since he specifically picked that part he's going to use all the folklore and all the stuff behind it he was smart he's a smart guy he's a smart guy because that's like me just being like I'm just gonna go disappear (laughs) and it's so and in the 70s like I can't can't imagine it's probably so easy to disappear back then oh gosh yeah and like you gotta think too like all the drugs that were like around in that time too maybe it was just like maybe he went on a drug bender maybe he was just like oh fuck this you know kind of thing it's it's it it doesn't sound mysterious like how they want you to be and I was so I hate that's the I always say this it's the worst part about doing podcasts like this is when you're researching something that you've always kind of been like ooh, that's weird mm-hmm. and then you're like wow this guy was probably just a piece of shit who scarred his family for I know, life I know and like and and it's funny too because every time I listen to something like this and like Anna brings up something and then she's like gives I was like damn it Anna yeah like, what, the, what f- the fuck you made me think I liked it like, I like this I wanted to believe in that <laughs> It was so disappointing, and it makes you think, though, kind of, like, not to, like, bring it full circle, but you can be told shit even like this that's, like, ooh, a mysterious disappearance, and then he really just left, like, yeah, it's... Yeah, but they, that's how they suck you in. Exactly. That's, that's excellent writing. That's, it like, is. a great story. It was, a, I mean... I would I love mean, to believe next that Next thing that you know, cool. like, maybe we can, like use his story and just be like and then he lost his memory because he was like body snatched or he came back and he's a skinwalker like right you know what i mean like not like oh no it just sounds like a bored college kid and yeah i think like the way that they portray him you're like oh he was a he was an educated man he had like a good life why would he leave but you're like because oh he was people, 23 because people on the outside mm-hmm. they it's not like the same like it's not it, how you portray it it's like looking at some of these housewives that you think yes. have the best lives and like they're the most miserable people right you've ever met right and like i remember being 23 and not knowing anything that was going on and like working a billion jobs and yeah. trying to finish school and being scared of what was going to happen next oh, like yeah. of course yeah i was 23 living in north carolina with my best friend yeah thinking i knew everything and you i was broke nothing. as shit i was broke i had two jobs and i was still broke and she had two jobs and yeah no it, it, you're 23 you, you want to experience life clearly too like no it's just but yeah i'm like this and, sucks and i hate when people can grab fame from that mm-hmm. and like get paid for things that are just like that was false and like i feel bad for his family i feel terrible for his family that had to be dramatic oh yeah just like and then he didn't come back and it's like the middle of winter like you think that your son is dead but then you don't want to know anything i don't think so i think i think he probably told them he probably told them and it was just 
it was so uninteresting that they were just like, no, no, we're just going to stick to the real story. We're just going to stick, this is the story, and then look what you really told us, forget it. Yeah. That's not it at all. No, like, my mom, if I didn't answer her text message or something, she'd be like, um, what's going on? And if I was like, yeah, I just lost my memory and I couldn't find myself, she'd be like, okay, but, like, what were you doing? Yeah, well, my mom used to do welfare checks on me, so, like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so. <laughs> It's like, like I'm calling the police. Like I mean, now like we talk to each other maybe like once a week or like yeah. you know. But my dad calls me, so then she knows I'm okay. But exactly. I swear to God, if I didn't talk to her for two weeks, the cops would be at my house Something would checking happen. on me. Yeah. So weird. I don't. That was weird. I know. It was just a little short one because I was like the research on it. It makes it seem like there's a lot of info. Yeah. But there's like there's nothing. You really just kind of left. It's. You know what? As a treat, it's a fun little story. But it like, is a fun little story, and then we get to hear your voice again. So you know, like yeah. that's a nice thing. It's so weird to sit here and know that I'm on the podcast and not listening to it. I like know. this has been exciting. It's a fun. It's thing. so fun. I wish you guys like. I love Anna. I want to do it all three. That'd be awesome. We could definitely. Do I would that love to do. She's that. coming back in like two when weeks. she comes back, and then you know, I would love Let's to do, do the that. Whole thing. That would be great because. And I just, I, I think it's neat because then when, if you bring more people on too, like mm-hmm. I love when you bring Molly on, like obviously. Dude, but... Molly is like a fan <laughs> freaking favorite. She, like, bec- I, not that just, anybody's like a fan. I, I don't, but no, that's we just are the word. Fans. Like, oh, fans. But it's just something about her delivery yeah. that she like sucks. She's such a good She's a good storyteller story and she's so knowledgeable and like when she talk I'm just like I'm like engrossed I'm like oh my god like and she she has a presence I was talking about this with um my manager because she was at my shower yeah and she just has like a presence that's like I know what's going on and I'm going to do whatever I can to let you know that I know. Like, and I mean that in the best way possible. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. I find that to be a very, she, like, reassuring quality. And she kind of has, like, like, I, I mean, I personally don't know her. Like, just, she kind of has, like, that mama bear feel yes. to me. Like, she she's just, fight like, yeah, for she's, you. like, that kind of person. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, and it's neat to bring other people on and hear yeah, their perspectives. Cool. Like, I loved, like, you know, listening. And I loved when Cliff was on, too. You guys are so funny. A chatty man. (laughs) We're chatty. We're chatty Kathy. But you know what? We have a lot of shit to talk about. Like, we got got lots of time. I think this is so, like, I'm so glad to have you on I'm so happy to be on. This is so exciting. This is my first podcast. Really? Yeah. You're so natural at it. Oh, really? It's just the theater theater in me. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you like to entertain. Exactly. It just comes, like, naturally. I know. I and I have, I mean, I have diarrhea of the mouth, but in the best Same. way. <laughs> I could talk forever. Do you ever see those, like, pictures of the people at their desk? And it's like, please don't talk to me. I'll talk to you all day and never get anything done. Yes. That's exactly me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Me too. When you when I get on, like, a topic, I'm pretty cool. sure at the end of the day, people just hear, I'm like, da 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 And they're just like, shut up. No, I love it. Well, I think we should wrap this up. Definitely. But thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. Of course. And we'll do it. We'll do this all together when Anna's back. Yes. And talk about crazy things again. Hell yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens in the world. Oh, my. Hopefully something better. Jesus. Heck yes. (laughs) Freaking Kyle Mocha and the the boys will be singing the Why Do We Cry song all day. They'll be like, oh, my God. (laughs) They're crying a lot. (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, but well, before we go, follow us on all of our social media. You you guys know, but what do we? You can email us about what do we? But what do we know? Pod at gmail and you can follow us at bwdwk podcast um, on all of our social media. So yeah, yeah, Thank leave some so great much. reviews. Yeah, five stars only. Five stars only. What? No angry comments. <laughs> no, no. I'll find like out those. where you live. I mean, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but we will find out where you <laughs> but live. But we will find you. <laughs> I did. I did report someone who hacked my Grubhub to the FBI, and I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> I, I am not. I told Anna this, and she's like, "You reported them to the FBI." I'm like, "Hell yeah, I did." Don't mess with my Grubhub. That's my shit. <laughs> Andy's like, I must give you a kiss. Thank you, Andy. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) That's amazing. Oh. (laughs) Let me just tell you. You did that. I did. What do we know? What do we know? What do we know?